welcome to the World Lens Podcast, where once a week we take a look at what's happening around the world from a global business lens. I am your host, Michelle Evans, Digital Specialist at the World Trade Center Institute. This week I'm joined with Bruce McIndoe, President of McIndoe Risk Advisory and a WTCI board member. Hey, Bruce. Hey, how you doing, Michelle? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So... This week, I wanted to talk to you about a article I came across, and it just kind of blew my mind because it's something I'd never thought about. So, no expert in any of this, but there was an article about the British. (laughs) There's an article about British museums loaning the the stolen crown jewels that they looted 150 years ago from Ghana, loaning it back to them. Why do you think they're doing that now? Like, why 150 years later? You know, when, when this topic came up, uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But, you know, this has been going on for as long as I've been alive and before, right? Uh, and through human history, you know, where there's raiders and war and there's, you know, they're stealing things because they're going right. in people's homes or they are you know, protecting them, right? So so these have all been mm-hmm. accumulated over many years. And so I did look at the UK one because I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And essentially, you know, these, you know, back, you know, colonial times and the Brits, you know, basically took them, right? And these are gold, mm-hmm. precious objects. So that was like, okay, should they be returned? But then the UK, you know, has a law that doesn't allow them to return them. Which is crazy. But again, when you're a colonial power over, you know, hundreds of years, right? And you've accumulated all of this from all of your, you know, traipsing around the globe. uh, You know, they they want to make sure you can run on all of their museums and everything, right? So that's you know largely trying to protect that. So I think, I think this is an opportunity for the cologne, and it's I think. I think it's three years or whatever, but renewable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an opportunity where they can basically provide this back so the country has it and, and can kind of kick the can down the road. And and I think, you know, I think it's a, a, a good gesture on the part of whatever precipitated this. I mean, it's, you know, I believe and I don't recall, but, you know, if these were actually stolen, Right. So maybe it wasn't just the Brits, but maybe, you know, someone stole it and then the museum, you know, acquired them, acquired, it, you know, and it's like, yeah, okay, these are stolen goods. They should make their way back to the rightful owner. Right. If that's the case. Yeah. So if I'm gonna, I'm just not going to give them back. What happens then? (laughs) Um, They just renew the loan. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) (laughs) It's still crazy to me that like, it's like me breaking into your house, stealing all of your things and saying, you know what? It's been a couple of years. I'll let you hold them for a couple of years mm-hmm. if you want. Mm-hmm. But this isn't the first time that this has happened. You know, there was an incident in November where the Parthenon marbles oh, yeah. that were stolen Great. were taken. You know, they were supposed to be given back. But the UK and the Greek prime ministers had a meeting and they canceled it over this. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's like going to be some type of future political bargaining chip? that these countries will use? Yeah, I don't know, maybe bargaining, but it's going to be a bone of contention. Let's put it that way. You know, there, every nation has its history, right? And, uh, and mm-hmm. whether it's, 
Egypt, whether it's Greece, whatever. And and so, yeah, I think there is a broad desire by the citizens to reaccumulate their historical artifacts and their history and religion. And and so, I, you know, I think that anytime there's an opportunity between, you know, on a political stage, not war, uh, to negotiate and discuss, hey, you know, you have some really important things that are very meaningful to our society. We'd like them back. Sure, let's have that conversation, right? And uh, it may be, and again, I'm not an expert in this, but maybe Greece versus uh, whomever, you know, that this has been a very serious issue and neither side is giving an inch and it's, you know, has caused tension, right? And and they're basically saying, until you negotiate on this, we're not going to talk about anything else and just cross their arms, right? So that's politics. That's, you know, negotiation. And at some point, something will be more important. So Yeah, I get that. I mean, but do you think at any point in these global business negotiations, ethics or morality come into play? 100%. Yeah. I think that's, I think mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times, you know, what's driving these may be more on that than the ledger side, right? You know, as far as, you know, the value of what's going on, right? So uh, I, I was uh, involved here in the U.S. with uh, NASA and commercial companies are sending human rema uh, remains to the moon. Mm. Well, in the in the Navajo, American Indians and other uh, native language uh, uh, cultures, you know, the moon is a sacred space, a sacred place, right? right? And so they're like, no, you can't just go and throw human remains. You know, this is like an incredibly important part of our religion and our culture, right? And and so, mm -hmm. what do you do about that? You know, how how do you how do you how do you deal with that? And uh, and and obviously, they're going to be trying to work through this now. The the sad thing about this whole situation as it propped up is that the government, the U.S. government, and NASA had already agreed to notify ahead of time the the tribes, you know, what their intention was to put things, you know, like human remains on the moon, and they didn't do that. So that made this even, you know, more difficult situation. Had they negotiated something before sending it, then we'd be in a different place, right? I guess they figured it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission in that situation. Yeah, or bureaucracy and attention <laughs> to the to the terms that they had agreed to, right? So, yeah. Right. So like you mentioned earlier, this has been happening mm -hmm. for as long as we can remember where these like looted things in the midst of colonialism are just kind of scattered all over the world. But recently, Emory University in Atlanta, mm -hmm. they just returned artifacts to Greece. And then the Met did that same thing with like 14 of them in Cambodia. Mm -hmm. I have two questions, mm -hmm. actually. First off, how are they obtaining these artifacts in the first place? And what happens if everyone grows a conscious and decides like all these museums are going to give everything back to their places of origin? So both of these actually now start having more of a nexus with what I do, right? Security, security <laughs> and risk management. Um, so yeah. number one, a lot of these artifacts were not obtained through war or these were stolen 
and trafficked to people that were willing to buy it, whether it was ivory tusks or whether it was golden jewelry or whether it was, you know, carvings and those kinds of things. So, uh, so the, you know, port ports of entry and, the, and are, are very sensitized to monitoring and, 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 you know, trying to, you know, slow down, not going to stop, you know, this kind of trade. So, so if that, you know, this is ill gotten goods and it gets into a market and then down the road, you know, the university acquires it from maybe a, an estate of a alum and then find mm -hmm. out that this was stolen from Cambodia, then, you know, and they are doing the right thing to return that, you know, to the rightful owner. Right. And uh, so, mm -hmm. so that's what those kinds of things. But as far as like the trafficking part of it, it's just like drugs. It's just like everything else. There's there's leaky holes and and you know shipping things where they're not shipping it through normal channels. You know they're not sending it through you know UPS or DHL. You know, right. They're, they're smuggling it in on a on a yacht, right? And so yeah, so it's that that's a challenge. The the auction houses are also set up. I've I've worked with uh, them. Uh, always trying to look at pedigree and, and providence of where did these things come from? Is there ownership records? So if an estate goes on sale and they've got artwork and, and artifacts, can, you know, can they prove that they were properly acquired, right? Before they, they're put on auction. And if they can't, they won't put it on auction. Or if they do, they'll warn the buyer that, you know, the ownership of this is not known, Right. And, and then what happens in that case? So normally they'll know like, okay, this is a Greek antiquity. They'll, they'll work with, with the Greek government and, and let them know, you know, we have these items. Is there any claim to these? You know, so, so they kind of like will work that and potentially return them um, but rather than trying to you know, put them up for auction and have them illegally sold. Right. So, and there are people who are still interested in illegally selling these things. So that's so then there's a black market, right, for, for everything. And same thing, you know, in this in this realm, especially when it is very, you know, when it's jewels and precious stones and gold and things like that. You know, it's you know it, it is a illicitly traded item. And again, the person that's buying it is buying stolen property, and so all those laws kick in. But yeah, tamping it down. Uh, I, I don't see it. What I do see from a technology perspective, let's look at it the other way. So, for example, the uh, British Museum, you know, is going to give back a particular artifact with technology today. They can do a very detailed 3D imaging of that object. Right. So they could present that object virtually. Right. They don't need a physical, you know, urn sitting there. I could see, you know, a 3D view of this thing and look at it and see how beautiful it is. And but I don't necessarily have to own it. Right. Um, what about like replicas so, instead of so like a 3D be, so, image? And now, you know, now you're getting into. Uh, so, for example, we could 3D print with great precision an artifact. But now, you know, now you're in treading on, okay, now you're creating a replica. Well, what's the ownership of that art and that design, right? And so now you're really starting to step into copyright and other issues as far as that. But I think, you know, 
museums have been doing catalog books for as long as I've been alive, right? So, so I, you know, it would seem to me like they could have permission to present a 3D picture mm-hmm. 2D and, and still give people, you know, knowledge about this particular area of, of art history and talk about it without actually replicating the object. Yeah, that makes sense. Or they could license it, you know, they could license and say, you know, okay, owner, you know, will license and make a 3D version of this. Yeah. And, I mean, if I'm Ghana, that's what I'd do. Yeah, you can 3D license this, but I'm going to keep the original. Okay, You're not okay. getting it back. <laughs> Yeah. So what ha- like do you think that some of these items are better kept in the museums that they are than the place where they were stolen from? Do you have any like no, I mean we keep saying thoughts around yeah, that? Yeah, we keep saying stolen. So, you know, I also have to, there, the other side of this is had whomever took the, took them from the country. You know, if the country was in, you know, warfare and things buildings were being bombed and museums were being bombed and that these would have been lost. So it's not mm-hmm. that they were stolen, it's actually they were pr- taken and, and protected and, and rather than seeing them, you know, get burnt up or blown up, right? So, mm-hmm. so you know, we have to look at it from a couple of different perspectives that it's, you know, it was never like, okay, I'm gonna steal this and take it back for my personal wealth or my nation's wealth. We're gonna take these and we're gonna protect them, right? And um, and then getting them back. Well, who is the rightful owner if they if the owners were killed or 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 passed away, right? And and so you know, and again, a lot of that work goes on and continues to go on, especially around World War II and everything that happened yeah. there. Uh, so yeah, so I think that we 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 can't always just view this as an illegal act, right? These are just mm-hmm. you know things migrate for lots of reasons and uh, and we have to be prepared and work through the process to say, hey, okay, I have this. Um, for example, I could be in, in South America and just be going through the woods and maybe find, you know, a little cave and I go in there and curious and then find that, you know, there's a, you know, an urn or a gold you know, necklace or something that I just happened to find that was, that's been there for 300 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I could say, Oh, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Right. No. <laughs> right. I mean, you find it on their soil. I feel like they have claim to well, it. Clearly. And, but you know, a <laughs> tourist could say, Oh, I'm just going to put this in my suitcase and take it home. Right. True. And then they keep it for 30 years and then suddenly, you know, they pass away and they're, Children are looking at this and say, well, I don't know, let's see what it's worth, right? And then that's when it enters back into the market and, you know, someone's going to be evaluating and saying, wow, this looks like Inca and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, any idea where they got it? Nope. You know, they, they never really said anything about it, right? And then they could say, well, then what, right? And, uh, you know, so at that point, I don't, again, not being an expert, I don't know what happens at that point where someone's identified, you know, this is an Inca treasure, it's worth $20,000, and uh, you're, you have no, you know, documented claim to it, uh, then it becomes, I'm sure, a whole legal process at that point that I'm not familiar with. But it's the point that I'm trying to make is at some point it enters the marketplace. 
And the people mm-hmm. that are supporting that marketplace, the auctioners, the appraisers, you know, have a, a responsibility for understanding where, you know, is this a rightfully owned item? And, uh, and then, and then mm-hmm. you know, things go from there as far as trying to sort it out. So do you think that now, because people are more conscious and aware of things that have happened in the past and are, they're trying to make, you know, Amazing. they're trying to make things right. Mm-hmm. And do you foresee a bunch of empty museums or a bunch of museums with licenses to replicate these like foreign objects? You know, you know, I would say probably eventually all of that, right? You know, it's going to be the museums basically saying, well, you know, we can't prove ownership, but you can't either. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, you know, like, you know, know, the possession is it, right. We have it. Um, Yeah. When there is a rightful ownership issue, it'll be dealt with either through the courts or through negotiation, right. You know, relative Mm -hmm. to those things. So, and then, you know, when I, when I, when you go into museums, you know, there's always a, a percent, small percentage of things that are just like the things and then mm-hmm. 95% of things that are just things, right? And so I don't see the, the things disappearing. It's going to be all the <laughs> high profile, you know, high value items that get all the attention. And uh, so I, you know, I don't see a, a, just this mass exodus where museums start trying to find the original <laughs> homes of, of them. Uh, I don't think so either, but one can hope. <laughs> I do have one thing that I kind of want to circle back to um, in terms of the law that the UK has in place. You know, they put these like, I guess you can call them safeguards in place because they knew at some point this would become a thing. Do you think that they would eventually kind of, you know, like get rid of this law? Um, My guess is the law is there because this has been a thing for a long time. So (laughs) this is settled at this point. It's like, no. We're not going to do that. Done, right? And then people can mm-hmm. go bang on that door all they want. Um, yeah, I, I would assume that the Brits, especially the British Empire, uh, are going to mm-hmm. keep this in force. But again, on a case by case basis, we'll figure out, you know, what is what's what is the best, you know, solution. And in this yeah. case, you know, loaning it for three years and, and, uh, having the you know, opportunity to renew that for indefinitely, then maybe that that's the answer clearly that they came up with. I'm sure that if this becomes everybody now is knocking on the door saying we want, you know, we want our stuff <laughs> loaned back, right. Then, then right. deal with that onslaught and, you know, it won't just be carte blanche. It'll be case by case. And, and, right. and then back to your whole negotiation, it could be, you know, okay, well, we'll loan this to you if, mm-hmm. right? And, and then there's some, you know, quid pro quo between the parties to essentially get them back in physically, even if they don't have, you know, clear ownership of it. Uh, so, yeah, so I yeah. think uh, it's, you know, this is going to continue and interesting uh that I, you know, when it, when the, the comp, the topic came up this last week and I was thinking about, you know, it's, it's not something that's like in our consciousness all the time. Right. Right. And if you go into like, you know, Google news or Apple news and say returned artifacts, and then you see, you know, 
10, 15, 20 articles in the last year. It's like, okay, well, this is a big thing, right? Right. I mean, it's it, it definitely has me going down a rabbit hole of, you know, what people are doing with these things. But, you know, gives you something to think about, right? Yep. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's one, you know, it's, you know, drugs, medicine, uh, animal parts, you know, that other mm-hmm. cultures revere, you know, whether it's spleens and, you know, ivory tusks and, you know, all, all different things they use for traditional medicine and all of these kinds of trades and, and, mm-hmm. and, and illicit, illicit trafficking is all going on under the surface. Uh, and this is just, you know, one. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, human trafficking too, right? So it's so hard. To that work. is another topic for another That's day. Another day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Bruce, yeah. for joining Thanks us. Um, Thanks, same. Can you tell people how to find you online if they want to, you know, continue the conversation with you? Sure. Well, yeah, I'm just LinkedIn or my website, Mackinda Risk Advisory. And, um, you know, my job is to help companies navigate challenges around global risk and, and, uh, and, and their people and their operations. So it's a, it's interesting topic and it has a nexus with companies as well, because they are a lot of acquirers of this kind of, you know, for their own offices and things and they kind of need to scratch their head and say you know where these come from right do, do we properly own them and if we don't they we need to return them yeah. yep and they can reach out to you <laughs> just for that uh thank you guys so much for tuning in please visit world trade center institute online at wtci.org for more insights events opportunities and also follow us on social at wtc institute on all channels. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. See you next week. Thank you.